How's it going, guys? Um, a lot of you, I know some of you, but a lot of you don't know me. I wanted to go ahead before I get started and just kind of share my testimony a little bit. Um, I uh, was actually, I grew up in like a, a Christian home, you could say. Um, we, we, we didn't necessarily go to church. My dad did know the gospel and uh, actually preached to me multiple times. Um, and I actually, I fused my heart multiple times. I didn't have a church that taught like, once you do it, everything's good. I kind of was like, every time I got convicted about it, I prayed. And uh, that was a, a big part of my life. But when I got to high school, you know how all that goes? When you don't have a church, you don't have a, a solid foundation that holds you together. Uh, I, start, I drifted. I went towards the world. And uh, just after high school, I... Um, I, I, it got worse, right? It, it always gets worse. In high school, they kind of keep the, the bearings on it. They kind of keep it all together for you because you can't just go out and do whatever you want. can't get you know, all that stuff. You don't have a job. You just stay at home most of the time. Um, and then when I got out of high school, it got real bad. And I, I had a scare. Um, and I realized, I was like, man, what am I doing? You know, I'm like surrounding myself with darkness, right? And I ended up like dropping all my friends. I dropped... Um, everything that I was doing at that time, and I just prayed for, I started reading, and the first two books I read was actually Matthew, and then I read Revelation, right, which, don't know why, uh, my dad was always into, like, you know, end-time prophecy, so I was like, oh, that'd be really cool to read, you know, to read Revelation, and I read those two, and it was crazy when I read Matthew, it was just like, man, the book was just like, like exploding in my face. Like every time I read it, it was like, man, this thing's like reading me, right? And uh, when I read Revelation, I was confused. But, um, you know, uh, and then I, I realized while I was doing that and talking to my dad, and I was like, man, I really need a place that I can grow. So I started praying for that. And then I ended up meeting uh, Kenna, which at the time was my girlfriend, and um, realized that after you have a girlfriend, you need a second job, right? <laughs> So uh, I went out and I got a second job, and I, I went to Oakley, and uh, you know I was used to working at the mall, so I was like, Oakley sounds pretty cool. And so I went there, and I ended up meeting a guy named Toy, which if you don't know Toy, he is an interesting guy. He is very explosive, right? Um, but you know, one thing he was really good at was just he could see that, like at that time, I was reading, you know, this. Revelation, and then I got into weird other things, and I was like, I was halfway in the world and halfway out of the world, and so a lot of my ways of thinking were they were mixed and they were rotating with each other. So whenever I would talk to Toy, Toy be like, "Yeah, dude, you're right," but like Jesus, right? Like you're listening to all this music that has like demonic things with it, and you think that's cool, but like that's what they're saying is true, but what Jesus said is is true, but it also gives life, right? And so, finally, he did, he made, after many times of, you know, whenever me and Kenna worked together, you know, we were living a lost relationship, and Toy would always be like, you just need to break up with her, dude, all the time. And I'd be like, no, I can't. Uh, you know, after only being with her for two months, I can't love her, man, I love her. I can't break up with her. Um, and, uh, you know, just being in distress, but finally he's just like, hey, I just come to church with me. And I was like, man, church is 
for losers. There's not. There's no. There's no church like church back in the day is better than it is now. That was my dad's perception. That was my perception. Right. That's what I grew up on. Was the church is for people that really need it, but you know, it's not as good as it was back whenever you know, back in the 80s or whatever. And uh, so I believed that. And so Toya's like, just give it a shot. So I gave it a shot. I came here, and like the first message, I was like, I was, like it was like I was crying. I was like, I don't know what Sam just said, but it hurt. It hurt real bad, you know? And I was like, and I, I made a decision I, uh, that day. I was like, this is it. You know, I've never felt that kind of um, power. Wow, I don't know, I don't know why I credit that. But, um, you know, over time, I uh, just kept coming. Kenna did not like it. When I brought her, she'd be like, man, I don't feel good when I come in here, you know? Like, I, like I'm used to going to, you know, a church that, like, when I leave, I'm like, oh, I'm cool, you know, I'm a good guy, I'm a good girl, you know? It's like, but this place was like, are you having sex before marriage? You're using each other, stop. And she'd be like, what? This is, that, that's weird. That's crazy. Why do I feel bad? You know, and um, and I was just like, look, you can do whatever you want, but I'm I'm not going anywhere. That's just where I'm at, you know. And then over time, you know, kind of kept coming, and you know, uh, after about uh, about nine months of coming to Midtown, you sometimes storming off, saying I hate this place, you know, and I'm just like, I'm, just, I'm not going anywhere. Um, she. Went to Toy, went to Toy's house, and she brought her questions. <clears throat> I'm gonna. I'm not like one of those criers where I can keep talking, so like I, like, I just gotta stop. Like, if, and when I stop, just know that I'm, I'm blocking it pretty hard, you know. <clears throat> like I don't know how some of these like Brandon's up there like blubbering and talking at the same. I don't know how those guys do it. Yeah. <clears throat> um, but like my my wife got saved that night, and uh, because of because of Toy. Just being faithful to, to preach, you know, and um, so man, like at your workplace is like the ground to bring people. And uh, well, my, my wife broke up with me about six months later because uh, I was still wanting, like I I was used to living on the fence, right? I was used to being in the world and being out there where when kind of got saved, it was like I am out of darkness and I am in light, and I was holding her back, so finally during discipleship, she was like, peace, I'm out with, I don't want nothing to do with you, and uh, man, that, that sucked, but like during that time, I grew, I didn't have that relationship, wasn't holding me back, and then I went to Vietnam, and uh, almost died from typhoid, and Kenna was like, man, this guy, he, he'll, he'll, he does it, right, he comes, and he does this stuff, so I, I blame almost dying on why you got back with me, but <laughs> um, but uh, so but the, the preaching here is just so, so special because the, this actually was the first Bible study I went to. I just followed Toy wherever Toy went, I went because I didn't know what I was doing. So I came to Dell's class, which was odd. Uh, I was 19, uh, you know, with a bunch of you know 30, 40 year olds. De- definitely different. But uh, man, but we read the Book of Ruth, and I learned how to preach, like, how to read the the Word. And it was like, once I got my feet set in this church, I went to Kaya and grew. It's just to be here from 2015, chance is just like I, don't, I never would have thought I'd be standing in front of this. So this is really 
pretty special to me uh, to be preaching this class. Um, but uh, yeah, we're going to be in Psalms 4. Um, go ahead and pray us in, um, just as David does in verse 1, and just pray that uh, the Word uses me today. Um, Lord, uh, we just want to thank you for this morning. Um, God, I just want to just thank you just for how how you've provided, how you, your provision is, is perfect. Um, Lord, I just want to thank you for just your grace. I mean, none of this none of this would be happening if it wasn't for your grace. Because God, I I stumbled and fell the whole way. Um, I don't even think I I got to a jog. I just kept falling, and uh, Lord, you just kept picking me up um, and encouraging me to move forward. And <clears throat> I just want to thank you for that. And uh, Lord, as we get into your Word this morning, I pray that um, uh, that you will you just set me aside. Uh, Lord, your Word is perfect. I am not. And uh, God, I just pray that I would be able to share what uh, what I got from your word uh, these last couple of weeks. And uh, Lord, we love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we're going to be in Psalms 4. It's only eight verses, so I'm just going to read the whole thing right now. Um, to the chief musician on Neganoth, a uh, psalm of David, Hear me when I call, O God, of my righteousness. Thou hast enlarged me when I was in distress. Have mercy upon me and hear my prayer. Um, o ye sons of men, how long will you turn my glory into shame? How long will you love vanity and seek after leasing? Selah. But know that the Lord hath set apart him that is godly for himself. The Lord will hear when I call unto him. Stand in awe and sin not. Commune with your own heart upon your bed and be still. Selah. Offer the sacrifices of righteousness and put your trust in the Lord. There be many that say, Who will show us any good? Lord, lift up the light of thy countenance upon us. Thou hast put gladness in my heart more than the time that their corn and wine increased. I will both lay me down in peace and sleep, for thou, O Lord, only makest me dwell in safety. Um, I understand why there's water up here now. <laughs> All right. So the, I, I, I'm just going to be pretty much reading and exclaiming what you guys have. I have the same thing you guys have um, as far as the handout. So uh, the first verse is a prayer for future words. So in this situation, you know, David is praying for... Um, for God to hear him before he kind of lays down something. Um, he lays down a, um, a way of thinking that is wrong and a way to, to fix that wrong thinking. Um, and I think it's pretty interesting to the chief musician in Neganoth. I know we, a lot of times we kind of skip that little bit there, but actually Neganoth is uh, a type of psalm or a, a song that is actually used as musical instruments. So this is actually like us. Whenever David wrote this and gave it, the chief musician, he's actually asking uh, for it to be a song uh, with stringed instruments. And on top of that, it's even been said that it's actually a, a, a kind of a, uh, um, it's, I'm trying to look for a word, it's a, uh, he's kind of like mocking them in a sense. He's kind of, this is a song of mocking toward his enemies, in a, kind of. And yeah, I think you can kind of hear that as you go. I, and I think that's so important to, to know what this psalm's Tone is. I don't know if you guys, you got, everyone here texts when you text somebody. 
sometimes people read it completely different than what your tone is, right? Because they're reading it based on the emotion that they have, but the way you typed it is totally different. So if they're in a bad mood and they hear you text that, they're like, man, what's that guy's problem? You know, all, all I said was, is, are you coming? You know, <laughs> and, but they're in a rush. They're like, or am I coming? Of course I'm coming. What are you talking about? And like, all you asked is if everything was cool. So it's like, I think it's really important to, to read that very beginning because I think it actually sets a tone for the entire song. Um, so the first verse, the first part of that is, hear me when I call, O God of my righteousness. Um, so there's, there's a faith there, right? Like, hear me when I call. He's asking God for his permission uh, whenever he prays to him to hear him. And, and in this, he's also putting a perspective on God with his own words. It's God of his righteousness. And I think a lot of us can can atone with that, like, it's, it's, can relate with that, is the only reason that you are righteous is because of God, and, and I think the very beginning of his prayer, he's putting God in a, in a perspective, right, he's putting God, this, this is God of my righteousness, um, you are the reason that I can even talk to you, so please hear me, right, um, and a cross-reference for that is uh, John fifteen seven, if ye abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Um, that entire passage right there actually is from 14 to uh, 16. It's John, uh, Jesus talking to his disciples, and he's talking about the relationship that he has with them. And with this, you know, in John 15, this is about the vine, right? He's talking very explicitly about the vine. And, you know, when David's talking to God in this situation, God of my righteousness, in order to be righteous, there's a oneness with God, right? And if God is the vine and he calls us his branches, we know none of us are Jews, right? So, like, when he built that original vine, that was a Jewish tree, right? So, like, we are actually engrafted into there, right? And you can actually do it with a regular tree. I don't know if you knew that, but you can actually, like, carve into a tree and you can actually implant a branch into it and it will talk and it will actually grow into it, right? And... If you look at that, I mean, you're, you're becoming one with that tree, with that vine. So the way that that vine wants, the way that vine thinks is the way that you're going to think, right? So you know, he's putting this in perspective, go, God, of my righteousness. He's saying that, like, I have the same mind as you. Because if I'm in my flesh, I have no righteousness, right? So it's like, he's, he's again, it's, it's a perspective of, of righteousness. Like, it's a per, like, God is what's giving me this. And so whenever... John, John 15, where he says, if you abide in me, right, if you're with me, whatever ye uh, shall ask, it will be, it, it be done, right? Because the, the thought is the same as God's, right? Because like, it's not you and your flesh. You see in James, it's like, uh, you know, you ask amiss, right? You don't have it because you don't ask. And, but if you, whenever you do ask and you don't get it, it's because you're asking amiss so you can consume it upon your lusts. And so in this you know, David has, uh, he knows that what he's about to ask God uh, and these words that he's about to do are God's words, right? Um, next part of that verse is, Thou hast enlarged me when I was in distress. Have mercy upon me and hear my prayer. Um, so in this, he, 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 he has already established the same mind that he has in this moment that he's praying is God's. Now he wants to go back and show how God has brought him out when he was in distress, so that gives him faith, right? In Psalms 105, 5, um, he uh, hath made his wonderful works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion. So 
in remembering who what who God is and and praying with the same heart as God, he has to also remember what God has done in his past. Um, and that gives him the faith to ask, right? That gives him the faith to to ask him and know that this is what's going to happen. Um, in 2 Samuel 2, 22, 7, In my distress I called upon the Lord and, uh, and cried to my God, and he did hear my voice out of his temple, and my cry did enter into his ears. Um, like, if, if you don't ever think about what God's brought you from, you're never going to, to have faith that he's going to do it in the future. Right? And that's what the whole thing of Psalms is all about. It's all about remembering. It's like, God, you did this, so will you do this? God, I'm in this distress, but I remember you did this, I remember you said this, and you've never let me down before. So it's, it's, it's really important to, like at the very beginning of this prayer, he's, he's, putting, he's, he's showing that the only reason he's able to, God's able to hear him is because of God, and the only reason that he's able to have the faith is because God has brought him out of that before. And... Um, Charles Spurgeon actually has a really awesome vote. This is another instance of David's common habit of pleading past mercies for ground for present favor. Um, and I thought that was just super cool. Um, so it, he, he, it, if you, if it's all in Psalms. It, it's all the time. And I think that's, it's really important for us to do the same thing. We have to say it with our own words. Like we know it in our heart, I think. A lot of times we know that God has brought us out. Like I just talked about my testimony, right? And I haven't really thought about Dell's class in a long time, but when I think about it, I'm like, whoa, I didn't know nothing. <laughs> you know? Um, and it's just like, when, when I look back at that, I'm like, wow, like God did that. Like, there's no way I could have thought of doing that. And in that, it's like, it's, it's, just, it's just super cool. Um, so... After that, we're, we're going to go straight into cure. So all that was just to pray for what he is about to say. Right? He's about, he's about to say some pretty harsh stuff to his enemies. And I think that's another really big thing to remember, that this is actually towards the people that are around him, his, his enemies. Because um, he doesn't say the children of Israel, he says the sons of men. Um, so the cure for vanity, uh, the first part of verse uh, 2, uh, O ye sons of men, how long will you turn my glory into shame? Um, so as a lot of us Bible readers know, that a lot of times when David is talking, we can actually see David as a picture of Christ, right? And, uh, were we at till 1025? Okay, cool. Um, so we can see that, that David is all, often a picture of Christ, right? He's, you know, um, and in this situation, I think that we have to ask ourselves, you know, he's, he's talking to the sons of men, he's talking to the Gentile people, if he was talking to the children of Israel, it would be probably a little bit different, but he's talking to the sons of men. Uh, how long will you turn my glory into shame? First uh, Timothy 1, 19-20. Uh, there's not very many instances, I, I looked up glory into shame, there's not much there, but I think we all know what that means. Uh, and I think in First Timothy 1, 19-20, I think this is an example of people who turn Christ's glory into shame, and there was repercussions for that. Um, holding the faith in the, and a good conscience, uh, which some, having put away concerning the faith, have made shipwreck, uh, have made shipwreck, uh, of whom is Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I have delivered unto Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. Um, so these guys, you know, at one time they were good. 
you know, at one time they were bringing glory. They were doing, they, they were saved guys, and they ended up turning away and turning that glory into shame. And the, the repercussions of that is actually separation, right? It's like your prayers aren't going to be heard. I'm actually just going to give you over to the person that's really behind them. I'm going to give you back over to Satan. And that's not to mean they're losing their salvation that moment, but God's like, if you're not going to be with me, you're against me, so I'm going to give you to that, right? I'm going to give you to that, you know, they've made shipwrecks. They were once on the ship. They were once making a good way, and then they ended up wrecking, right, because of themselves. And I, you know, um, I, I just think, like, how often do I do that? And I think the second part of that second verse really kind of hones in on that. How long will you love vanity and seek after leasing, Selah? And uh, a lot of time, I don't know if you guys do this, but I used to do it a lot. Um, Selah can get skipped around a lot, but it's actually a word of rest. So in this situation, God wants you to think, right? David is wanting them to think on this. Now, Selah is also like a break in the song. So maybe like this is like, you know, it's a stringed instrument. Probably like a tasty lick in there in between the, in between the verses, you know? Like just, we're just going to have a little solo real quick, you know? But in that, like, what, what he's wanting is it, I think he really wants you to, like, listen in on this, right? He wants you to, like, okay, break. Think about these words. Um, how long will you love vanity and seek after leasing? And as a fellow Laodicean in America, um, I, do, I think we all love vanity and we all seek after lies, right? I mean, I'm a big podcaster. I listen to Joe Rogan podcasts a lot. I listen to a lot of comedy podcasts, all these information podcasts, but they just fill your head full of nothing, right? And a lot of it is lies, especially, you know, there's a lot of that is, it's just not true. And I, with the coming election, with all of this stuff that's about to be running through our phones and running through our, our TVs, I mean, we cannot get held up in that, right? I mean, because at the end of the day, God's in of that whole situation. So for us to get involved is just like, I mean, you know, vote for who you think is the one that's going to give you the most, give you the most freedom for what you have. And that, but like, if we get so caught up in their personalities and who they are, these guys are lost. These guys aren't of the world. They're not of us. They're of, they're of themselves. They're of this present world. So it's like, I think it's really important to, if, if, a lot of I'm going to say perspective a lot today because I think that's going to be a really big key point in this is that the perspective is for us is man if if when we look at these things when we when we listen to our podcast when we're scrolling through our phone are we looking at as vanity and seeking after lies and it, and it, that's it is what it is you are seeking after those things because I mean yeah we're not going out and looking but you are looking because you're just you're scrolling you're seeking for that next. Thing that'll bring you like that quick little laugh, that quick little thing. And I, I'm preaching to myself here. Like I said, as a fellow Laodicean American who has a, a smartphone, it is so easy to get caught up into this. And I, you know, I, I do it all the time. Like whenever I was given this um, passage from, from Nathan, I was like, oh, God, I gotta preach this one, you know? Because <laughs> Like it's like, oh, man, I'm I'm just, uh, you know, I was like, I, I might cry a lot because I, I mean, it's just like, this is me. Like, I mean, I am in the same boat as everyone in this room, and it's and it's it's hard because in our flesh, our flesh loves vanity. Our our flesh wants lies because the truth is hard. In our flesh, the truth is hard, and it's 
and it's so easy to just get caught up in shopping on Wish or Timu or going through Amazon or going through all this other stuff. It's just like, and all that stuff, I'm going through it all, guys. I, mean, I really am, because that's everyone's guilty, okay? It's not just going through TikTok. I don't even have TikTok, but I still, I still do it, okay? Like I, Facebook, YouTube, all that stuff, man. Like, it's all empty. And at leasing is just another word for lies. It's like we're all seeking after that. And it's so easy to get so caught up in it that we end up turning God into, into shame. We end up using that glory that God has given us and turning into shame. I actually, while I was scrolling, I actually ran across a pretty interesting video. And it was uh, from the, I forget how many months there were, but it was from, since, till you're, from your 18 till your 90. So it's like a really good life in there. There's a bunch of dots, right, for every month in there. And you said a third of it, it's all gone. They just, you took all those dots away. And then the next was like when you're eating, that was like four or five dots. You're just like, what? When I eat that much? And it was going through like all of these different like day-to-day things. And by the end of it, it was like an eighth of that, of those months was actually usable where you got to choose what you wanted to do. And they said that it was, uh, especially with Gen Z and millennials, it was in green, but it took up all that was just screen time. It almost took up every bit of that eighth was just screen time. And it was like, oh my God, like I, I do that, you know? I'm like, and I'm filling up that line. And I think if we have, again, a perspective that, that God is, that Jesus actually is coming back, then, I mean, we're turning what God wants to use for his glory and seeking souls and, and bringing people to him. And we're just, we're just literally just burning it, like just throwing it away months and months and months of time on our phone, like looking at nothing. Like if you think about it, we're looking at nothing, you know, we're just looking at a block of precious metals. That's all we're looking at, right? And it's just, it's amazing how, how the world has completely, has done that to us. Um, in Ecclesiastes, it's actually one of my favorite books. I love it with all my heart. Uh, Ecclesiastes 12, 13. You know, I don't know if you guys have ever read Ecclesiastes. It's a very, um, it's a very uh, depressing book. Um, it's very depressing. But it's also very uplifting because if, if everything I do on this earth is vanity and vexation of spirit or work, it's just everything is, is empty, everything is worth nothing, and it's just going to make me tired. And the, everything is that. Everything under the sun, it's all the same. It's all vanity and vexation of spirit. But at the very end of the book, he says, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. So he's talking at the very end, 12 chapters of him saying, I have had everything that you could possibly want. I'm just letting you know it's nothing. I've learned everything. I've done everything. I've had everything you could think of, and it's all vanity. And he says at the very end, all this. Um, okay. Let us to the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. That's it. Like, that, that's it. I mean, that, that's all you have to do. And if you really look at what our commandments are, I mean, yeah, there's the Ten Commandments, which is a very detailed description of only two, which is to love God and to love God's people and to love people. That's it. Love your neighbor and love God. Because if you do that, you're not going to do those ten, right? 
you're not going to do those those ten horrible things that got. It's it's really just a detailed map of only two of only two things, right? And um, you know, if if that's all it is, I mean, it it doesn't really sound like much, you know. Um, it, it's not. I mean, just fear God and lo- and love and keep His commandments. Um, and I, I think I have a, do I have a key point after this? I don't have it on the sheet, do I? Next one, next slide. Yeah. If all you do is vain, you bring shame to, the king, to our king. I'm going to be honest with you, the key points are extremely simple. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's just, there's just not much to them. It's very like, that's all it is. If all you do is vanity, if all you do is look at your phone, you, you, you don't have anything. The next slide, I'm pretty sure it's going to be kind of funny, right? Let's see. Okay. Do you guys know what this scene is? Does anybody know what this scene is right here? Yeah, Nathan does. He texts me about it. <laughs> Nobody? Okay. This is from Cheech and Chong. Uh, you guys ever up in smoke? You guys ever watched that before? Very vain movie. It's a very empty, vain movie, okay? But this is like one of my favorite scenes ever. It's so good, okay? In this scene, uh, you know, it's the very beginning. They're kind of showing the way that Tommy Chong and, and Cheech, how they kind of live their lives before they meet each other. And so Tommy here, he grew up in a very rich family, right? And his dad here is like, he's like very big, and he's like, hey, guys, like, he's talking to his wife. We think you should get with this Finkelstein kid, you know? He's a good kid. He's going to military school. You know, he was an Eagle Scout. You should get, a, just get with him. Everything will be good. And Tommy's like, he's just over there just making a smoothie, doing his thing. And his dad just starts getting real mad. You know, he's just because he's just ignoring him. I leave this thing. And his wife is saying all kinds of crazy stuff. And uh, I can't play the clip because there's a lot of profanity. But in this scene, right after he's like telling him, he's like, he, like he's trying to find something that would be interesting. Because like Tommy Chong is making like a smoothie. And he's like, man, maybe I can get you in with, with uh, United Fruit. You know, you can be out there picking strawberries, getting all nice and strong, you know. And then maybe you'll work up to the bananas. And, and then it's like he doesn't say anything. You just ignore him. He's just like, win, boy. When are you going to get your act together, right? And like when I, when I read these, this first verse, it's just like, how long? How long, you know? He's bringing, he's bringing shame to his rich father. Like his rich father just wants him to work. Just do something, right? Just do something. Like even if it's picking strawberries, you know, even if it's doing this or that, like just do something with your life, Right? And he's yelling at him, and he starts walking away. It's a really funny scene. If you just want to watch that first clip, it's hilarious. But um, it's it, it just it's it, when I read that, I, I was just like, I, all I could hear was how long, you know, uh, when, you, when are you going to get your act together? And I, I mean, I just think like God's like that's his face right there. Like he's just like God, I've given you everything. I've given you everything. What are you going to do? You know, like why are you doing this? And uh, the rest of the movie is as vain as, as everything, everything else. But um, the next uh, verse, uh, But know that the Lord is set apart him that is godly for himself. The Lord will hear me when I call him. Um, God wants me to be holy, right? And th- this is where th- this whole area is called the cure for vanity. And again, it's, it's perspective, right? But know that the Lord has set him apart. That is godly for himself. The Lord will hear me when I call him. First Thessalonians 4, 7. For God hath not called us to uncleanness, but unto holiness. 
2 uh, Corinthians 7, 1. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, uh, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Um, we, we, need, we need to fear. I mean, the, the, we, I mean you see in, uh, in Proverbs, like the, the beginning of, of, of knowledge is the fear of God. And if, if we're not fearing God, there's no... There's no need to do. There's no need to, to follow, right? If, if there's nothing to fear, there's nothing to follow. Because I followed my dad. I did things that my dad told me to because I feared him, right? I, and I wanted to be close with him because I feared him. And it's like, if, if you're not doing that, if, if you're, what you're going to end up doing is you're just going to continue to follow after nothing. You're still going to just seek after lies. I think I have Psalm 66. Is that one next? I didn't put it in the notes. Psalm 66, 18. Next verse? No? Not there? Okay. Uh, it's fine. There's plenty of verses in here. Okay. Uh, the next part of the verse is, Stand in awe and sit not. Commune with your own heart upon your bed and be still. Selah. Um, again, rest. So that's that second part. So after he says, how long, how long, he, he gives you a, a way to, to deal with that, right? And he says, Stand in awe and sin not. Commune with your own heart upon your bed and be still, Selah. So rest, think about this. Um, do you ever like just go to bed? And, I, and I, this is something I've been trying to do every night. Just when you go to bed, just think how big God is, like how incredible God is, like to stand in awe. Like we use the word awesome way too much. It's kind of lost its luster. But like it's awesome. It's awesome. It's something that is just like it's so incredible and so amazing and so big that it's just like the only thing you can do is with your mouth open and go like ah like you just don't know what to say right that's what awesome means and it says to to stand in awe and sin not like when, if you have fear you're not going to sin if you fear right i mean you're not going to you're not going to disobey a god that can literally just think you out of existence you know like you could just be like no one's ever going to know who you are you're just gone you know and it's like, God could do that, right? God has the power to do that, but he doesn't. And it's, and it's our job to be, man, stand in awe. Like, and if, if you find yourself in a place of vanity, if you find your place, if you feel, because everybody knows when they're bring, bringing glory to shame in, in Christ, man. Everybody knows it. They might act like they don't. They might think that they don't. They might think that I'm a good Christian. But everybody and under, underneath, they know that they're not. And I, I think that's another a big reason why people... A lot of Christians are on antidepressants. A lot of Christians are on all of these drugs that are like, I'm, I feel bad. You know, I feel bad all the time because you know. I think you know that's what you're doing. And I think, you know, you know you're bringing glory to shame. But have you ever just like sat and just, before you go to bed, just commune with your own heart and just stand in awe? Do, do I have a life that is bringing God glory? Like every night, just think about it, right? Just, just think. Um, Psalms 33, 8, let all the earth fear the Lord, let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. I mean, the creator of the universe can listen to your petty thoughts. Like, that's incredible that he even wants to listen to us, right? Um, Psalm 119, uh, 161, Princes have persecuted me without a cause, but my heart stand in awe of thy word. Um, 
I, th I think it's really important to just to see where your heart is, right? I mean, just lay upon your bed and just be still and just think, rest and think. Why, like, I was doing this the other night thinking about why I'm up here preaching. It's just like I'm standing in awe of what God can do, right? I mean, it's just, it's incredible. And if we don't do that, we'll never use it. We'll never use the power, right? And um, the next part is offer sacrifices of righteousness, and put your trust in the Lord. So after you've seen what God can do, if you've sat there and you've thought this is what God wants, um, offer sacrifices of righteousness. And what is what is that, right? And put your trust in the Lord. Uh, I think one of our best, you know, uh, Christian sacrifices is actually in Romans 12, 1 through 2. Uh, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable, unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable perfect will of God. That is righteous. You know, that is righteous. That's how you find yourself in a place of righteousness, is actually sacrificing your life. And I, I remember talking to the jail guys, uh, as I preach at the jail, that's the reason I'm here. Uh, I preach at the jail, and... This is something that I really wanted to, to hit home for them is, is, okay, yeah, the world is hard. Uh, following Christ is not easy, but, but is, is it not, right? I think if you think about the perspective of who, or of, our, of our flesh, right? Our flesh is, is all about itself. It's all about the right now. But if our, if our way of thinking is, is eternal, it's really easy. I mean, if, if Christ says, my yoke is easy, right? And the burden is light. I mean, everyone in here just keeps saying it's hard. Ah, oh, it's so hard. My phone just keeps calling at me. This Netflix show is just too good, you know? It's just all this stuff is just too amazing. I can't, I can't do it. It's, it's just too hard. It's, it's unreasonable. Actually, it's, it is reasonable. Your sacrifice isn't reasonable. And if you have the right perspective, if, if, you, if you believe what Christ said, and his yoke is easy, and his burden is light, if you actually believe that, it's easy. It's not that hard. You know, it's, it's all about your perspective on it. And if you're always complaining about, God, this is so tough. God, this is so hard. Well, maybe it's because the way you're thinking about that is wrong. Because eternally, if you think about it eternally, it's not that tough. I mean, you think about some of these, these martyred people. And I think about Stephen, right? As he's, getting, as he's getting pummeled from rocks, that'd be pretty rough. But he knew that what was going on was just the flesh. He knew in his mind, this is, this is all that I'm having to deal with. And then he actually has the strength to pray for the people that are throwing the stones at him. You know? Um, is that five minutes? Goodness gracious. Okay. I, I got to keep going, guys. There we go. Um, I, I could talk for hours, guys, I'm going to be honest with you. Um, so let, let's just move on for that. I think the next thing is, is, is a really key thing. Trust brings peace. Right. This is the next section, verses 6 through 8. Um, there were many that say, who will show us any good? Lord, lift up the light of thy countenance upon us. And I, I think a lot of, uh, I, I mean, all of our workplaces, everywhere we go, Everybody's saying that. Everybody's saying, who will show us any good? Who, who is God? There is no God. Everything sucks. Look at the world. 
The world is this. The world is that. Um, and there must be no God because it all is awful. And again, if, if we have the right perspective, then our countenance is going to be God's countenance, right? And I, I put a bunch of examples um, that we're going to go through of the different types of countenances that are in the Bible. Um, Genesis 4, 5 through 7, But unto Cain uh, and, un, and to his offering he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth? Why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou shalt not uh, doest well, if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door, and thee shall be his desire, for, and thou shalt rule over him. So you see that there's a fallen countenance. Um, you see in Matthew 16, uh, 6, 16, you see the, the hypocrites as they're praying. Um, they're, they have a sad countenance. They're, giving them, they're making it. So a countenance is a physical representation of what you're feeling. Some people are really good at hiding it, but I, I think that your actions are the things that actually show that, right? Uh, and in Matthew 28, you actually see uh, the angel of the Lord's countenance, which is lightning, right? In Revelation 1.16, you see uh, Jesus' uh, countenance is a, of the sun shining in his strength. Um, in 2 Corinthians 3, 7, uh, you see that the face, like, he was, Moses was with God so intently and so preciously and so close that the glory of his countenance, people couldn't even look on his face, right? There was just so much power. And in, in uh, Acts 2, 28, um, there's a joy of, uh, of thy countenance. And our countenance, when we get in the Word and we have a time with God, our countenance actually has an opportunity to light people up, mm-hmm. right? I mean, with Toy, for instance. Mm-hmm. His countenance was so intense. I mean, it was, he was crazy, but his countenance, <laughs> but his countenance was like, man, I, no matter what's going on, I have joy. It's a joyful countenance. It's, it's a countenance of lightning. It's a countenance of the sun shining. And while my countenance is like dark, listening to weird music, listening to all this stuff, and it's like my countenance was low. And your countenance actually has the power to, to all these people that are saying, uh, who will show us any good? You have the countenance to show that goodness that God can give people. And I, my question is, is like, do you actually do you have that countenance? When people are around you, do you have that countenance? There's actually a guy, he's like one of those uh, uh, promote like uh, speakers. Uh, he's talking about like the guy that he was working with was like, I don't even bring any problems to you anymore because all you say good. That's all you say is good. And he just goes, good. You know? And then and the whole the whole thing is like him just saying like, oh, you didn't get the promotion? Good. You have an opportunity to get another one. You didn't get this. You didn't get that. This didn't happen. Good. Because then you get to work harder. Or you sprain your ankle. Good. You can't work. Good. Like It's just like you have an opportunity to give God glory in that moment. He's not actually talking about God. He's just talking about a, a perspective. But we can actually take that as well. Like That countenance is good. It's a countenance of glory. Okay. Um, and the next, uh, the, the next section, I'm going to have to speed it up here. Thou hast put gladness in my heart more than in time of their corn and wine increased. Um, so... The joy of your countenance has more, uh, more precious, is more precious than anybody's physical needs or physical wants. Like when people think of their corn, back in the day it was corn and wine was a show of, of I got money, 
right? I got, I got the stuff to provide for my family. I've got the wine to make me merry. I have all these things. It's, but the gladness that God puts in, in your heart with, it, with the light of his countenance is actually better than that, right? But the gladness that you get out of having a relationship with God is, is more than the time of, of, the, of the enemy or of, of the people who don't know. It's, it's, it's better than their physical wants. It's big, better than their physical needs. Um, and the next part is, I, I will both lay me down uh, in peace and sleep, for thou, Lord, only maketh uh, me dwell in safety. Psalm 119, 155, Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Um, Proverbs 3:24. When thou layest down, thou shalt not be afraid. Yea, thou shalt lay down, and thy sleep shall be sweet. For uh, in Psalm uh, 12:5, for the oppression of the poor, for the sighing of the needy, now will, will I arise, saith the Lord. I will set him in safety from that, uh, from him that puffeth at him. Um, the next slide is actually a bunch of questions. Oh, I've just been going right through these these key points, guys. I apologize. There were like three before this. Uh, and we're going to go through each one. The question is going to be very related to them. So actually, just go to the next slide, right? There we go. All right. So do I reflect on where God has brought me from, right? Uh, from the very beginning, do I reflect on what God has done for me? Do I reflect on that? Um, what do I seek to fill my life with? Uh, do I seek vanity? Do I seek leasing? Do I seek lies? Do I see God in the correct way? Um, do I see God as, as an awe, awesome, amazing, incredible? Uh, does my countenance radiate? What does my countenance radiate? Does it radiate, you know, sadness that the president I wanted isn't in there? Does it radiate uh, the fact that anything, just fill in the blank, just anything? Does my countenance not show the light of God, right? And uh, do, do I believe that God is my safety? Um, that's, that's the last one. Do I actually believe that? Like, I, I feel like, again, perspective, right? If, if the flesh is temporal and God is eternal, and the God that you say that you serve is eternal, why is it that every single time something physical happens, we kind of freak out, right? Like, why is it every single time that something like, like for instance, the building almost caught fire? God was our safety in that. I think it, it would be so easy for us to have been like, oh my God, we got to shut everything down. Shut it all down. This all happened like what, on Wednesday, I think, or Tuesday? We could have just shut everything down, the welcome party, and, but we had faith. We're just going to hold out. Let's clean it up and see what happens. And God, God met us in that. God helped us out. Um, I mean, just fill in the blank. I, the, the whole I think the whole purpose of this is just trusting in God. Because I feel like we, if we truly do trust that God has our back, then um, our countenance will be right so that we can uh, preach our, 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 uh, our physical needs, our physical wants uh, will be met and we'll, be, we'll have joy in our countenance. Um, I had to speed it up there at the end. Kind of threw me off a balance. But, um, guys, I mean... We have this. I mean, um, this, this is what we got, and this is all we need. And I think, and if we think that way, if, if we if we actually believe that, I believe that, man, with with the Super Bowl happening and and all this stuff, we're, people are flooding into Kansas City, 
this is this is a sports place. This is where things are happening. This is where the everything is happening. People are coming here in groves, right? Like we have an opportunity to bring those people to actually know what true joy is, and uh, I think that we have that power to do that. So, thank you guys. Um, yeah, that's all I got. <laughs>